we are bottom of the smash mountain i would like to thank my supporters over at patreon.com slash bsm pod for continuing to support me and what i'm doing and i'm also very pleased to have with me someone who has been able to create really really cool stuff including a fight pit nine recap video that gumball put me onto. so gumball's one of the pat- patrons who said oh my gosh you're having battery on he made this video it's so sick and i have to agree that was a great great video very well edited i mean I, this was a little while ago now 2019 if i recall correctly and it was just fantastic so that's a great starting point but you also do other other things around the realm of making content and i'm sure you we can get into all of that what your latest projects are including other things that you do outside of the job but for now battery thank you so much for joining me yeah thanks for having me uh, and that is wild because i mean i figured that you were researching me in some way because i got a notification from youtube for the first time in i don't know a year and a half probably of you just saying like yo this is dope or something on my fight pit nine video which is still in my reel to this day. So I'm happy with how that video came out. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of how edits... Okay, look, there's there's all kinds of different ways to do something for either humor or to give it a little bit of pop or however. And I've, I've spoken to a few people who edit videos. Uh, most recently, Takano, he does... Well, he edits the videos for Austin Melee stuff now, but... You could do you could go all all kinds of ways on stuff. And what I really like is the idea of having music in some capacity, not always, but matching what's happening on the screen, either because you're making the video, you're manipulating the video to match the beat of a song or like a certain a certain moment to match. It doesn't have to be beat for beat, visual for visual, but if you do it just enough, it rewards someone for paying attention. And I noticed that for you, at certain parts of the song that you used in that Fight Pit 9, you know what, we're talking about it so much, I'm just going to link it. Everybody should go watch it. But the point is, is that when you're watching that, there's there are certain moments, probably between five and ten moments, where you know that you were intentionally making the visual, either with some editing stuff or specific cuts, matching the beat of the music that you were using, which... For me, I'm just like, I'm smiling. I'm having a good time. It's such a great video. So that would be something we can start with. Would you say that's not a signature move, but do you, what what do you like so much about trying to have the audio and visual match so much? What's the reason for, for you to want to do it? Well, first off, I want to say Takano is a way better editor. He's wonderful. Uh, he's very good at what he does. And that's awesome that he got the opportunity with Austin. Um, but in general, you people like watch these videos and they think like from their standpoint a lot of like uh not big film people just think it's a visual aspect like a a film is 90% visual but realistically it is 50% video 50% audio and then the true editors and filmmakers can put them both together to create something more artistic so in general, like if you were to just put clips together, like say you had five clips and then you had like 10 different beats or something in a song, you wouldn't get the same experience if everything was offbeat and it didn't flow together properly. You would just get like, I know iMovie and there's all these different programs that just like will generate a video for you and it just doesn't feel the same. There's not a cut wherever there's an audio cue or something like that. 
I don't think it's a signature thing at all. It's definitely every editor does it. And it's not just like a an esports thing or like a combo video thing. Like it happens in interviews, documentaries, all sorts of stuff. There's actually a lot of moments when I'm making like documentaries or interview things where I mute the narration entirely and I just cut music, which like subconsciously you notice that the cuts are there, but like you're still so focused on the actual dialogue that you're like, why is it not cutting to the dialogue? Oh, it's cutting to the beat of the music. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so would you say that there's a specific form of media, no, a specific piece of media that either inspires you nowadays to continue to focus on finding that 50-50 split, or was there something that you saw when you were younger before you got into all this that kind of made you, it woke something up inside of you or turned a light on? Do you remember something either from back then or something that inspires you today? So in terms of original inspiration, there was not really anything there because I was um, always thinking that if I watched anybody else's content, then I would be influenced in it myself and it wouldn't be my own personal thing. Um, I have since found out that, that is a very stupid mindset because you can learn a lot from other people. But I think the best way or the best form of um, content out there that follows this guideline is Baby Driver, which just so happens to be my favorite movie. Every single thing that happens in that movie is cut to some sort of audio cue to the point where you can literally call it a musical. And I watched it six times in one week at one point in my life. So this is a, isn't this like an early 2000s movie? Like, why do I want to say Tom Hanks is in it? That's probably bad. Can you just brief plot, brief plot? Uh... I think that might be Drive. I'm really bad with celebrity names. There's literally there's a movie that everybody compares it to, and they have always joked with me, and they go, Drive is better than Baby Driver, but like, I've never seen Drive, and I've seen Baby Driver six times in one week, like I said. But uh, the concept behind it is that there is a, the main character is named Baby, and it's really not that big of a plot point. Like, um, people mention it as a joke a few times, but then you just continue because he's such a cool character. But he is a getaway driver who is um, stuck under somebody's, like, not a spell. He's in somebody's debt. So he has to do these getaway drives for uh, this one guy specifically. And then finally his debt's paid off. But he's still like, you're my driver. And he has, he's got to figure out his way to get out of it. But he has tinnitus from an accident when he was younger. So he's always wearing headphones. And at points in the movie, he literally doesn't start his getaway drive because it's not the right point of the song. So he like fast forwards a little bit <laughs> and then he goes and then he continues. No, I've had that moment. If I watch Baby Driver, I'm going to instantly connect with that because I'll be working and the song will lull a little bit and I need to get a move on. And I'm like, well, sorry, song. I like you, but you are not working for me right now. We got to skip forward a little bit or we're going to the next song. I need to like kick into gear and this is poorly timed real life. Come on, work with me. I'm listening to a playlist. And I think a, a big thing about that movie is that it kind of inspired me to view everything in my life as like a soundtrack or something. So I have specific songs I'll play when I go to the grocery store. I obviously have a gym playlist, but there are some songs that have like a 20 second intro. So I'm just standing there waiting to start my deadlifts until like the beat drops. So everyone's just looking at me like, what's he doing? <laughs> Okay, look, this is not the worst reason for to see someone just standing at a station at a gym just doing nothing. Happens all the time. 
people mm-hmm. just like scroll on Twitter because they're desperately trying to avoid actually doing any sort of workout. They're like, oh gosh, oh gosh. So <laughs> no judges. You know, I, something that comes to mind for me is when I did just the brief workout thing, I would do like the, um, I, I think they're to a loose extent, they're like interval style workouts where you go 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. And you do that for about four minutes or five minutes or however long you want to do it for where you're really going hard for 20 seconds and then you take a 10 second break and you go really hard for 20 seconds. So now we know what it is, but I would choose songs that as close as possible, follow the same rhythm so that I could like just have something to anticipate other than me stretching out 20 seconds into five years, because somehow I have a hard time fooling my brain into letting 20 seconds just being 20 seconds when I'm, doing sprints in place or jumping jacks or burpees, I want to die. And five years is what I feel like is passing when I'm doing burpees. It's tough. So music helps. It really helps. Dang. I, uh, I'm glad that we both feel the same way when we're sprinting the, uh, I want to die mindset. <laughs> but the reason that we're doing it is so that we don't die. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. To stay in, stay in a little bit of shape, stay in a little bit of shape. I saw on the Twitter, you like to do volleyball. So you want to talk a little bit about your volleyball prowess, or is that just more of a passing time thing, a keep you in shape kind of a deal? Maybe you could have chosen a different sport and it would be never mind to you. It is far from just a passing time thing. All um, right. I, ha- I have one piece of, uh, well, actually, I have a lot of pieces of artwork on my walls here, but this is the only one that you can see in my camera. Uh, this is me painted Ooh. by my friend with the Olympic rings on there because last year after the Olympics happened, I stated and sent to as many people as I could to hold me accountable that I will be going to the Olympics for beach volleyball. So, wow. um, it is a wild dream and anybody who has familiarity with volleyball will probably think I'm crazy for saying that because I've only been playing for a year and a half now, but I have dedicated my life to this at this point. I work as minimally as possible to pay off the bills and then spend the rest of the time training in some way or, sh- or form. And actually, all of my content now, besides the work content, is uh, like TikTok and Instagram-focused beach volleyball content about me. I didn't even... I should have just scrolled back a little bit further. I didn't even know. Okay, so this is this is what we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. So tell me, I like hearing how people get into Melee and Smash. We're just going to have to table that. If we have time, we'll get to it. How did you, how did you, okay, you knew what volleyball was before a year and a half ago. So yes. how does, how does this happen? You were just like, did you watch Haikyuu? You know, I feel like we should get that out of the way now. Did you, did you, did you watch Haikyuu? This is in the style of Haikyuu. I did watch Haikyuu, but um, I was into the sport well before I even knew what anime was. Okay. So this is something that's captured your attention for for most of your life. You just, Mm -hmm. yeah. So please uh, continue. Don't let me cut you off. In high school, I played for a month and it was during my senior year. And essentially what uh, most people will tell me now is the same thing that the coach at the time said. He's like, you don't have nearly enough experience to just walk in and do this right now. And, you know, that's completely fair. I understand. My mom even looked at me, too. She's like, you just spent the past three years swimming and trying to make districts. You're going to do, you're going to swim your senior year as well. And I was like, all right, sounds good. The coach didn't let me do swimming and volleyball at the same time. So I just stuck with swimming. 
and then um this is the part where it gets awkward like i don't know how people make music about their exes and stuff because my ex has a huge thing to do with this story as well but i met her in college and then um once i turned 21 i wanted to join like a beer league essentially but she didn't want me to do it because uh she didn't want me to play with other girls she didn't want any co-ed stuff so we broke up on my birthday in 2020 and then the same week i joined a volleyball league and literally my life changed ever since so <laughs> okay it's so wild. i know a little bit of something about this high school relationship where she said college to me, yeah, she's like uh, yeah, don't really want you to do the things that involve other girls like at all if possible and i would i say what do you mean she's like well it'd be great if you didn't really have any friends that were girls or at least uh don't <laughs> don't talk to them a lot you know she was very possessive so uh, mm-hmm. i'm vaguely aware and it's it's interesting when <laughs> i i just worked a lot afterwards when she broke up with me i worked a lot afterwards because i thought I need to just not think about that relationship. So I'm just going to work six days a week, at least 60 hours a week, and forget about that as best I can. That was my way of processing it. You, sounds like you had a much more healthy processing period, though, because you actually got into something that you've been wanting to do. I didn't dream of working 60 plus hours a week, you know, when Mm -hmm. I was in a relationship going, ah, if only I could be working. No, I wasn't. That's just... I made the dumb decision. I should have gotten into Smash back then, or maybe I shouldn't have. Anyway, you get it. So you you join you join the beer league, and now you're ready to take over the world. So you show up on the first day, and you're saying to everybody, "All right, let's do this." And they're they're kind of like, "Okay, energy high." This person, you read the room. We're not here to uh, make the the volleyball Olympics anytime soon. Is that how that yeah. went, basically? Um, I didn't have the thought process at that time to go to the Olympics. I was just like, I'm going to play volleyball. And I, I played volleyball, that's for sure. Um, it was like, it was 2020 still. So COVID was tremendous like, everywhere and everything was closed down for the most part. But I was going to these beer leagues that were indoor and I was like, all right, I suck. Like, where can I, where can I get better at this? So I found pickup for sand volleyball, essentially in Pennsylvania, which is a very, very small scene. Cause you know, there's not much, it's not many beaches in Pennsylvania. Um, so I joined this group and there's about eight people on a good day that'll play. So four on four. And then on other days, it's two on two, three on three, the smaller amounts of groups. And indoor is always 6v6. So there's, like, unless you're the setter, you don't really touch the ball that many times in a play. So then the less amount of people on the court, the more likely you are to touch the ball. So I fell in love with doubles specifically. And then as I fell in love with doubles, I started watching more stuff. I started filming all of my stuff so I can watch my form and compare it to professionals because nobody on the court would tell me how stupid I looked. They just <laughs> felt bad. But honestly, I just I want everybody to critique me in as, as many ways possible, and that's the same for my content and stuff. But as I was watching the Olympics, I noticed three of the um, American representatives, on the men's side at least, were in their 40s. And I was like, that's obscure. Like, how can you be, how can you be athletic in your 40s? And one guy specifically started at the age of 22. And I was like, 
everyone told me you had to be playing this game since you were like 14, maybe even earlier. Right. And honestly, right, right. Any, anybody who is in a situation where they play, they've been playing since that young is like, did they really want to do that? Or did their parents just force them to do that? So yeah, exactly. Yep. So I have Imagine. this mindset. Obviously there's all those people that are 14 that are going to be 24 and consist like way better than me. But I have this mindset that uh, I started later and I'm starting smarter and I'm less likely to get burned out. So then while I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, I can play professionally and then go for the Olympic route. You know, Battery, uh, to a much, much lesser extent, because I'm not consistently practicing Melee, but I wanted to start playing Melee professionally when I first heard about it in 2006. And then it wasn't until 2021 just a mere 16 or whatever, no, 15 years later, that I actually showed up to a local, not even a major, it was my first tournament ever, it was a local, and went 0-2 very proudly. I was very happy because uh, in that timeline, I did other things, and I was always saying to myself, well, here's the reason why I shouldn't do it. I'm just, you know, it's too late or, <laughs> or whatever, or I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever going to be at that level of, I look at people like Mango Hungrybox and Armada and Zane and say, I can't, <laughs> how am I supposed to compete with that? But you don't compete with them by staying home and doing nothing. So even if I'm only playing a little bit now and I don't get lots of chances to practice, the dream is still alive. Maybe I'll continue to kindle the competitive flame. For you, it sounds like you've done a far better job of committing to what you want to do. Although, like you said, it didn't all happen in one week. When you were mm -hmm. watching the Olympics, though, watching the, the three fellas on the U.S. side who were playing in their 40s, you're, you're seeing them play against what I imagine to be against a field of people that probably average the age of 25. Is that safe to say? Yeah, they're definitely early 30s and younger. Right, and so that's that's super inspiring because you get to, you get to hopefully be, well, not necessarily like the the single anomaly because, like you said, there were other people who started later, and were able to achieve that level. But it's something that's really cool to hear about because you essentially are trying to walk a a road less traveled. So at this point, where do you feel your your chances are in terms of making the next step happen and what is the next step because the next step is not somebody walking up to you and saying all right you are <laughs> let's get you on for the next olympics there's a couple of things that need to happen between now and then if i had to guess yeah so i think what's what i i always think about what are my advantages in this situation and for the most part they're nothing physical uh i'm six foot which is short for volleyball um, I really was casual during my swimming stuff. Like I never took anything seriously, didn't take nutrition seriously or anything. And then prior to volleyball, I didn't work out for probably two or three years. And then obviously no, very little experience with volleyball in general. So my advantages are this six professional years, at least of content creation. So a lot of people don't get sponsorships because or a lot of people get sponsorships because of their following not because of their skill level in a certain aspect so if i just make good content educational contents things that bring more excitement to the world of volleyball then that's what will get sponsorships to come towards me and be interested in giving me 
products, money, whatever it takes to promote their stuff. And in that case, I'll just make that kind of content, become an influencer, and then use that monetary value just to put it all back into coaching or traveling for tournaments and such. So you're acknowledging a universal truth that I feel like is not always realized just immediately at first, but Slime put it best when he said something to the effect of how well can you sell Doritos? That's what matters to sponsors is that factor of do you draw a lot of eyes and can you endorse well or can you can you be a husk of a person basically <laughs> so i like hearing that you you have you have a you have a path right now which is continuing to do the content that you do through TikTok and Instagram trying to go where the, where the eyes are and people like seeing these kind of stories so you already have a natural built-in story when we would watch American Idol as kids my family and i we would love hearing the stories about people who have a, a, a bad situation and they turn it around because they have a gift that can be, can be shared with the world. And even there were even times where we would root for the person who ha was in a bad situation and was not going to win, but they still had something to say or share and their voice was, I guess, passable for the first round. I guess that's the best way to put it. But we would even root for those people because... Like you said, if you're if you're at six foot, if you haven't been playing volleyball for most of your life until more recently, if you don't have a natural gift where you serve and everybody turns around and looks at you and goes, Whoa, we've never wow, we've never seen a serve if you're if you're not putting that impression out there constantly, you could do you could do well in so many other areas that maybe the gifted people so called could never understand. And of course you have hard work on your side, which can get you a lot of places. I tend to believe the people that say hard work gets you places. For me, I believe it for myself, but I don't know. I don't always believe it when a famous person says it, but I'll believe it for myself and I'll believe it for you, Battery. Thank you. Uh, on that American Idol thing, uh, I definitely have a different view of it now that you mentioned it. But when I was younger, whenever I saw those stories and stuff, all I could think of, oh, well, they make it. That gets rid of the excitement. Like, if they're going to take the time to give a backstory on somebody, that's not going to be their last time on the show. <laughs> so when I was younger, I was just like, well, they make it. I don't care what they sound like. They're just <laughs> moving on. <laughs> You've been spoilt. I mean, yeah, we started to catch on. It was like by the third episode of auditions, we're like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, this person's probably. But you know, once in a blue moon, they would try to pull the rug on you. You get a whole story, and then they go up, and you go, "Hey, wow, yes, okay, this is the one for this for this one episode." But then you'll get four or five super inspiring stories, super cool auditions, and mm -hmm. so on. If uh. If you watch Shark Tank, the same thing happens on there. You'll have just ah. a random person walk into the room, and it's like 50-50, like if they'll get a deal or not. But if they give a backstory, some, somebody's saying yes to that deal. Do you think that there'd be any merit to being a Shark Tank within the realm of Twitch streaming or even to a very, very, very small scale streamers approaching a conglomerate of quote-unquote sponsors or even just larger streamers and saying, We'll invest in you, and you're part of our team or whatever, but you have to actually make a good presentation, be willing to sell your stakes, if you will, blah, blah, blah. Is there any value in someone like Ludwig or Hungrybox trying that, where they're just like, show me what you could potentially be doing, up-and-coming streamer, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk business? Do you think that has any merit at all, or am I just 
wishing that there was a melee version of everything. You know, there's melee in air and Jeopardy that they do for Golden Guardians. Shout out to melee stats for providing questions for that. But just like, could there be a Shark Tank for Smash? That's what I'm wondering. So I'm thinking from like a live streaming point of view, like any sort of Shark Tank thing would be completely comedic at least from those guys like they would just have to rely on like an is it austin show that kind of chaos to be going on for it to be entertaining for fans and stuff yes but i think in terms of like an investment thing like if ludwig was like hey buy my online masterclass on how to stream here's my example here's three people that i like taught how to do this and they were great so it'd be like a monetary thing for the people that are already big and then obviously whoever got mentored by them that would be pretty dope but i don't see it as like a consistent show as successful as well it's successful in terms of live streaming on an online platform as opposed to broadcasting live television yeah i mean you're not gonna have a whole lot of ideas that go on super well compared to something like undisputed shark tank and Mm -hmm. other shows having a hard time thinking about right now i don't know i don't watch them all right so talk to me about the content that you're doing you said you're on instagram you're on tiktok a little bit of the coaching a little bit of the hey let's look at the form for this today so what would you say you do on a weekly basis for all that stuff Hmm. so i do have like a consistent morning and night routine but as far as a regular schedule it's kind of hit or miss because Uh, A lot of the courts are taken up at night, so I have to try and find people to play during the day. And a lot of people have day jobs. It's really weird. I don't really I don't really get that. Unbelievable. But but, uh, in terms of content, pretty much uh, I need to start um, planning ahead. But in terms of my daily TikTok posts, I kind of just think on the fly. And most days, if I don't have good content from the filming that I did, like during pickup games, then I'll just post like a seven second meme, which is just kind of like what goes viral on TikTok, unfortunately. So a key thing in my TikTok and in social media in general is that I want to be genuine and I want to give people who are interested in my journey like updates and recaps. So let's just say what I posted in this past week. So posted, I was at a tournament on Saturday. So I posted a recap of the tournament. On Friday, my daily upload was literally just me talking about how I'm excited for my first tournament of the season. And then on Sunday, I just took like a popular sound and effect that was going around on TikTok and just applied it to volleyball. And then, what did it? It's Tuesday. So I still haven't uploaded today. But yesterday, I just did like the top five plays of last week. And it was like a it was DSVN, and I wanted it to be as close to ESPN as possible, but it stood for Dolgus Sports That Are Volleyball Network. So, so you're, uh, you're, you're approaching from a bunch of different angles. That's cool. So for me and memes, we don't necessarily get along because I think I have a funny idea, but soft floating out ideas to different people don't think... I think I take things too straight of a view. I can't actually... Like I was talking to Hada, hey Hada, about this the other day. Slime is the kind of person who can ask somebody comedically and it hits whether or not they beat off in the sink. And I could never do something like that. It would just be very hard for me to, or impossible. I would, would, I would, I, I would, I would not be able to deliver on something like that. So maybe memes is not going to be 
something that I can do consistently. But if you like to be genuine, do you feel like you have a hard time with that as well? Or is it just more of like, look around, see what's popular. All right, look, <laughs> I can apply this to what I'm doing. Let's not overthink it. Someone will hopefully enjoy it. But I mean, I'll just concentrate on the next thing that I do that's a little bit more from what I actually like doing, which is the recaps, the sharing of your journey. Mm -hmm. So essentially, um, the memes and the viral stuff is the billboard. And then I am the museum for that is advertised in the billboard or something. So like, you might not want to go to an Aaron Dolgus museum, but if I make the billboard look cool enough and say something wild's going on in there, then more people are likely to step into the museum of Dolgus VB is the is the name on Instagram and TikTok. So people will come, they'll see funny thing that they can relate to in volleyball, and then they'll either hit follow or scroll through the page a little bit more. And it's actually cool like waking up and just seeing like 28 notifications and it's just somebody like going through every single one of my videos and liking each one. So the idea is like that's that's the bait. The viral content is the bait. And then all of my genuine talk is like, oh, I actually am interested in this person's story. I'm interested in this person as a person as well. Maybe someday I'll just go viral for posting something totally normal, totally run-of-the-mill, and just something weird happens. That's what I'm aiming for right now. But eventually mm -hmm. I will have to play the game a little bit more. We'll get there. We'll get there. So You want to know my most viral video? Okay, so let me think. Not on TikTok, so I wouldn't be able to name a particular TikTok trend other than something that got onto Twitter or YouTube, but yeah, I got nothing. Okay, so I was sitting in Starbucks waiting for my um, league match to start in about 30 minutes or something, and I was like, man, I didn't post today, and if I don't post now, then I'm going to have to post at like 10.30 or something like that after the league stuff, and I don't want to make content then. So there is yep. like this reaction test going around on on TikTok where it's just like as soon as the light turns green, blink. And I said, if you can get under 0.3 seconds, you can be a libero, which is a position in indoor volleyball. And it's got 1.8 million views. And it is the least amount of effort I've ever put into a TikTok. Like, <laughs> by far. I have so like cool, a little... Though. I have a mini documentary about a player who's also six foot and like everyone told him he was short and it's like really well edited in my opinion. And it did well. It, it got 50,000 views. It did not get 1.7 million views, but like also there's a bunch of people in the comment section. It's libero L I B E R O. And people in the comment section are like, what does it, what does this have to do with being a Libra? What does this have to do with being a, a liberal? And I, and I was like, all right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else in the comment section, there's people that are like, oh, I got 0. 0.000 seconds. So people were all commenting their scores, and that's probably what made the algorithm pop off. And then um, the, the United States Olympic men's libero duetted it and tested it out. And then another professional in Germany t tested it out too. So that's very, very cool. It's, it's like a little challenge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I need to blink if I'm understanding you correctly. There's a little thing um, on top of your head that's blue, and then as soon as it turns green, you just blink. Right. It's like a reaction test. Yep. 
No, I think I saw that going around on Twitter, except it was just you had to click on something on a website on your phone or on the computer. So, mm-hmm. And then everybody was talking about why hertz for your display monitor matters when taking a test like that. And then I got lost. I was like, oh, no. I know Twitter that- will make an argument or discussion out of anything. <laughs> like, yes. bro. Daggum right. <laughs> so then I was going to say that Fight Pit 9 recap video it didn't it did not score 50,000 or 1.7 million views either so a tweet that i saw from you and we could talk a little bit about your smash stuff now is uh something to the effect of you saw the melee stats and pg stats compilation sorry collaboration of the top 100 melee players of all time and that included a few pictures that you would have taken. I think one was of Zane, and I don't remember the other player, but you 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 replied to that or you retweeted and you said, oh, it's really cool. It's an honor. You know, my work is being featured here. That's very, very cool. Just wish I could have done more. And I think this goes along with the theme that every once in a while is brought up in Smash and is brought up in Melee, a truth that most of us, especially if you've been involved with going to tournaments and playing or following along with content every now and again, something crops up to the, to the effect of why can't we make money and why is there not really a lot of money? And the unfortunate thing is, is that if you look around in news sports, it's kind of the same as any other big field of media or, or competition where there's the top level, very visible. Everybody sees it. You have your football teams in the NFL, but what about the football teams at high schools? Like they're not pulling in money like that. They don't have it like that. And then of course, even in the NFL, you have teams like the Jaguars that exist. So what I'm saying is, is that Smash is sort of in the same way. There are people who make a living off it, very, very small list. And then the rest of us, we love the game. We love being gamers. And then we say, oh, that'd be nice to make a living off of this or, or expressing myself in some way, making videos editing stuff however or or toing i mean hey it would be great if a to could consistently make a living off of it where the only thing that they're doing for a job and not actually toing plus working 40 hours a week at a full-time job is running tournaments but what i'm trying to say is for you what are your thoughts on all that because i'm sure that your tweet mentioning that had something to that effect of saying there's there the support system here and it's it's not because we're all a bunch of deadbeats per se. It's just more of like the publisher support is non is zero. Excuse me. There's no there's no support from the publisher, and that really hurts. Uh, that has nothing to do with like uh, the I don't, the prize pool and Smash and stuff. I just personally think that I've done a lot of work for the community, and the only one that like the only TO that has recognized that is johnny gumball the guy who literally told me for the fight pit he hired me to do a fight pit video three years in a row kept coming back to me he would vouch for me on every single twitter post or something and it was just disappointing that i never got an additional opportunity so i mean i just kind of gave up with that stuff uh i also one uh philly smash gang two they hired me to take photos for that too so not just john but I, like, one year I drove down, I think it's 2019, I drove down to Super Smash Con just to, like, just for Top 8, 
to make an album out of that and then just send that to as many TOs as I could to try and get an opportunity to go photograph their events, but literally did not hear anything back from any of them. So I'm like thinking I I'm confident in my work. I think I have great work and I'm just confused why nobody's interested in having my work at these events. And that is very egotistical for me to say, but I mean in terms of profiting and doing what I loved at the time, which was being involved in esports and content creation, it just was very demoralizing and ultimately just pushed me away from wanting to do any of that kind of stuff. It's a very fair for point for you to take because uh, since I've seen the work that you do, and I can at the very least agree that what you do is is, is very, very good, is very, very good. So Thank you. I do I do think about it in the same way that a commentator might say it's really hard to get into commentating or maybe even a TO who's trying to go to the next level. Maybe they're really good at running a local that can consistently get 20 people. The next thing would be them finding a bigger venue to consistently have 50 people and vice versa across to the top. Maybe you're someone who has a big regional, you can get 200 people, but now you want to host something that gets 500 or 1000 people and maybe you're just you keep bonking your head on the ceiling of the next level, whatever that may be. And people just say, well, why? Why am I being stopped here? Because what I've done so far has been great. And everyone that I've worked for has said I've done great. So what, what's the problem? Why, is, why does everybody else say no? And for me, to a limited extent, to a limited extent, because I don't place, I don't place this as my, as my um, this is like this is what I do primarily to support my family. I work a full-time job and I just understand that what I'm doing here is mostly because I want to do it and if I start to depend on it for being income then I know that it wouldn't last for very long. So I take a different viewpoint automatically, but even I to a certain point understand that it would be really cool to have somebody approach me and say, "Cypher, we want you to basically make content or podcast at our big event because we want you to be there. No one has really done that, allegedly. One, one person technically has, but uh, allegedly, allegedly. The point is, is that it's not like my door's being beaten down saying, hey, we want you to come out and we want you to do stuff. They're, they're trying to get, you know, The Yard or Radio Melee because those are the two big Melee podcasts that I think of. And The Yard is a stretch because it's more of just a Ludwig podcast and a slime mm. and Aiden and Nick. So at, at the top of this field for me of people making content and not necessarily, not necessarily being players first, there's just more of people who like doing stuff around the game first. The temptation is always there, but if I were to, yeah, uh, start asking that question, it would be the same thing where it's like, there's just, you know, there's not a lot of room. There is truly not a lot of room. Um, I think the the big thing is similar to what I said. This TikTok stuff is that um, you're just you're just the genuine content. Like you are you are definitely like a people person for making this kind of content. And I can tell because I looked through that list on your in the Discord that you made of people you had on the ho at the show previously and people that you want to have on the show. I don't recognize most of those names. Like these are the these are the understudies. These are kind of like the um what what content group made like the hanky panky video? Is that melee stats? That is melee stats, yeah. Yeah, they're shouting out these people that are very unknown and like giving them recognition for what they're doing. 
And although you may not have like the view count of the yard and all like Ludwig and all that stuff, you're making content that anybody who watches is genuinely interested in. Like the fan base that you have for this bottom of Smash Mountain podcast are people genuinely interested in you and you don't have all these people that are like just clicking in and clicking away like obviously if like my friends are more likely to watch this episode because i'm on it but like they're gonna see you on it and be like i'm interested in that guy and check out some other stuff that you have as well so it is in a way unfair like I guess not unfair because the yard is like a well-produced podcast. Like they do. Oh, it's fantastic! I love the yard. (laughs) He's a wonderful content creator in all aspects, so it's dope that he's going full in on that. But like, you're putting in work too, and it's just a matter of time for recognition to be there. But like, I don't know. Slime and the Aiden and Ludwig is an all-star cast. (laughs) Like. But that yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I gotta understand. And it's hard because um I don't think that I create on the level of excellence that I would compare you to other people that I see around making stuff for, for recaps because I don't watch a ton of ton of recaps. I think B- BTS is a good another good example of someone or excuse me, a group of people for them specifically, beyond the summit, they make great recap videos that are ready to go as soon as the event is over. Something that they do for every Smash event that I watch for Melee in particular, but I think they do this for Ultimate as well. They'll they'll have grand finals, have the interview with the winner, they'll wave goodbye, and a recap video of the weekend that is still wrapping up, a recap video will drop and it's very well put together and the music's great and blah blah blah. And I'll just go, wow, that's insane. And then I watch stuff like the uh, the recap video for Fight Pit Nine that you do, and then so on and so on. Uh, all I would say comparable stuff, and I'm just like, this is this is fantastic. And maybe it's just a matter of the 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 point that I'm trying to get to the thing that that scares me the most with trying to do the, all this stuff is riding the line between me wanting to say I really like what I'm doing and I want to do it for myself but I also understand that I'm selfish and I wouldn't mind there being a little bit more attention so what's one way to do it oh yes networking so yeah. for you what's your view on this what's your take on this you've done enough content creation you know that this is part of the gig. What is your view on networking? Um, you are a hundred percent, I don't know, like maybe a thousand percent more likely to get a gig because you know somebody. Uh, I only have an associates in my film degree because I figured that meeting people and getting experience was more valuable. And it is in all aspects. Like you are more likely to get a job meeting somebody at a bar than you are sending in your resume. Like, in a lot of situations, people don't care about your work. People care about having a conversation with you every single day for the rest of their full-time job. Like, <laughs> if, they can't, if they can't be around you and you can't be a personable guy, like, you're, you're not getting the job. So I always had this idea that, like, that resume and that cover letter is what they see first, so that is unfortunate. But as soon as I got past that first phase, I would land the job. Like, that was always my mindset because I... I do think that I'm I can have a conversation and I'm not a not a dick. So <laughs> So but you yeah. do the the work that you do to support yourself is is freelance stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So 
just talk to me about maybe not something uh, a specific situation but just in general how does it go when a week goes by and things are running a little bit dry or maybe maybe it's not working out super well for the past however long and you start to have like cat cat sorry and you start to have you start to have like little tiny alarm bells. I'm not talking big ones, just little tiny ones of you going, oh, okay, I should probably do some more work in the next couple of weeks or however you phrase it. What's the, what's the strategy that you, that you lean on that you like doing to try to generate a little bit more activity for yourself? Um, I'm just not a, not a big spender. Like I try to save as much money as I can because of this freelance world, but it does seem like when it rains, it pours in the most, I guess you said dry and now I'm talking about wet. So in this week alone, I got, yes, that's a good, or or more like a, Oh but. my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I, I, I have never said wet when swinging a volleyball. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> You should yell it out when you serve sometime. Maybe you'll make somebody fall over on the other side. What? Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm going to do this before every serve now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I literally in this week, I got asked to do um, editing on a project, like a 24-hour turnaround time this weekend. Um, I applied to a job on Indeed recently that was like a full-time gig, and I got asked to go to lunch with them today um the company here never pause which is a toing like toing event and sponsorship service um in the tri-state area that i'm really good friends with they asked me to make more bumpers which are the little stream transitions for uh well stingers essentially for their next tournament coming up and it's just like wild like where were you guys two weeks ago when I was sitting there watching Bar Rescue on my couch? Like, why am I all of a sudden getting all this work? But I mean, right now it works fine because anytime that I'm not working, I get to play volleyball. So <laughs> I, I'm not like torn about it, but my bank account is in that red sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. so would you say, you know, for the purposes of the podcast, as of right now, would you say that you are accepting commissions and whatnot? I I am, but I mean, a lot of people can't read the words starting at, and they get really upset when I don't want to make them a three-minute combo video for $4, mm-hmm, or $40, mm-hmm. $40 has never been offered. Uh, the worst that I've ever been offered is I was photographing at an event, and I was offering two photos for uh, $5, no watermark on them, and somebody's like, man, just give me like four or five and i was like it's five dollars i that doesn't even cover my gas to get to that event like come on like think of think about me for once if you want them pay ten dollars it's not that big of a deal i'll throw in that fifth one for free man yes when you're Uh, asking when you're asking for something that's actually closer to the level that is actually suitable for you to say yes this is indeed worth my time mm because people will like this is a universal truth as well people will just as much as it can towards themselves and so when they start to get all upset because you're doing the same thing i mean just think about it so the first time that i recognized you by the way i had forgotten about this because one of my other patrons said hey battery was 
talking about not being able to do a, a podcast thing on another podcast. So maybe you should like swoop in there. So I did, but I looked back, you and I have interacted on the content creator discord before because you very, very eloquently said it sucks when somebody offers you, here's a position that is full-time or part-time. Also it pays it just pays awful. So don't yeah. don't let yourselves be trapped into this. People work for the value that you actually are. So I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, battery. Yes, we've actually interacted before. That's so cool. But you know what you're worth. So that's really cool mm -hmm. that you it's really cool that you do exactly what you have to in this position. And this is the part that is that is hard as well when it's freelance work is actually saying, No, this is what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't have any sort of connection to a higher end, then esports work is not worth it. It is just more of a passion thing for me. Uh, I make these stingers and stuff. I think my stingers are reasonably priced. But if I were to go photograph an event or like some sort of regional, because I'm not at the major level, I do not think I would get an offer worth worth it. And I think that's valid because um, a lot of tournaments, regionals don't make enough money to afford like. A professional photographer at least one that's been working professionally for six years now but you can find i'm sure one of your local o2ers has like a, a little camera at home that he could take some nice photos with but um otherwise like if you want to make it in the content creation world like monetarily unless you're gonna grind like turn down for walt did then you are unlikely going to get anywhere it's unfortunate, but like people always look at something like esports and they'll be like, oh, it's more for fun than it is anything else. I mean, look at, uh, you just talked about Takano. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Who's also a really good editor with him. This sucks. Tylenol Addict. They, mm. they make art. They make art. And they've gotten offers to make things before, but like they're really good at making real art which is essentially just something that you're passionate about doing and you don't worry about where it goes afterwards right you have to be uh realistic about about it but it's also okay to it's also okay to dream and also want more for yourself and to say i i've gotten to this point now and so i'm not going to let somebody uh, use me might be a little bit too pessimistic of a way to phrase it but you don't you don't say to yourself after getting to a certain spot that I'm going to allow myself to like get hurt in this interaction is probably the best way to like you can you can ask for for what's uh fair and also just be willing to walk away. It's so hard when you want to turn a passion into a job. So for you, you're you're trying to do it twice more or less. Not that okay. I'm assuming you would get paid to do the Olympics. Is that a real thing? Do people get paid to do that? Off the top of my head, I feel like they get sponsored to do it, which is sort of like a like a wink operation. Yes, they're getting paid. But was Michael Phelps ever paid by the Olympics to do the swimming, or did he just do that with cereal? There's no prize pool for the Olympics. Okay, so it's basically cereal. The cereal people say to him, "Michael Phelps, let's 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 get you there," mm -hmm. and that's obvious because he's Michael Phelps. But for you, that's it's already what you're leaning into doing anyway, which is saying, "Look at all these views. Look at all these views," and you show it in front of the people, and they're like, "Oh yes," they're like a cat following a, a laser light, and they say, "Well, all right, well, let's get you set up, battery. Let's do this." Yeah, they look at um, 
basketball and baseball in the Olympics. Uh, baseball, I don't think we send any anybody from the MLB. And then basketball, we do send people from the NBA, but they don't take it nearly as seriously as they do their actual season because they're not making any money off of it. Like, Interesting. It, uh, I don't think I can bold, like claim that they don't try as hard, but like, I it, there's a lot of situations where, I mean, I think we lost to France last year. I don't think that that should have been a normal scenario, at least with how seeding was projected. But yeah, you do not make a salary off of making the Olympics. And it is a thing in volleyball too. Um, the United States actually has the most valuable tour for beach volleyball. Indoor is more of a Europe thing. But a lot of people would rather just stay and make the money in the United States than go to the Olympics. But there's no overlap for that. I know that the Olympics are during like baseball and basketball season, but not during volleyball season. Gotcha. And I guess the other part of the other part of the allure of all doing the whole Olympic thing for you is obviously it's who doesn't watch the Olympics as a kid? I mean, eventually, eventually you get roped into it. And more specifically for last year, they had all these new events. They had the skateboarding, they had the surfing, they had the rock climbing Mm -hmm. and a lot of kids like that. Now, of course, if they really wanted to capture the young heart of America, and by that I mean 22 to 30 year olds, you should have had melee at the Olympics or I don't know, League of Legends, I guess. But someday. Um, It's interesting you say that a lot of kids are interested in those sports because a lot of kids were in those sports in the Olympics. I know that there were at least three or four uh, female skateboarders under the age of 18, which is insane. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome, though. And once again, parents forced them to be there. (laughs) (laughs) So we are fully on that train. Okay, look, but all right. So take my, take my daughter, Ellie, for instance, she's interested in ballet. So she's taking a ballet class right now. If she says she wants to continue to do the ballet, it's cool. It's fine. It's chill. But if she gets like three years in and she says, I no longer want to do the ballet, I don't want her to do the ballet anymore. Right. But what if, what if she's this close to being the best ballet ever? Am I supposed to like back off and let my dreams die? If you make a parent actually say stuff like that out loud, hopefully they would start to think you don't you shouldn't really live through your children like that. Settle down. Mm-hmm. Um I will say from my perspective if that is, I I don't know if you were saying you don't have an answer to that question, but from my perspective, my mom told me to continue with swimming and screw volleyball and now volleyball is my life so to think i i jokingly said it to my mom i was like mom i could have had four more years of experience if you just let me play back then so uh if she does say she doesn't want to do ballet anymore don't let you don't have to let her you don't have to make her do ballet anymore Indeed. If she does like it, though, she might say she wants to go back to it in two years. But also, I know a lot of people that regret doing ballet, and now they have foot problems from when they were younger. Yes. So that's the whole that's the whole thing that I was saying. I was basically doing what, like, just <clears throat> uh, some one of my favorite things uh, reading on Twitter is when somebody says <clears throat> to an antagonizer so if you're working at your desk somebody comes up to you and tells you a mean joke and you say why is that funny and they have to explain it and then they start to realize why it's not funny and then they just 
like walk away in shame and you win. You win the interaction and you get 50,000 likes on your tweet. I was basically trying to make the same thing where it's like, if I tell my daughter or my son, no, you have to continue to do the thing. Otherwise, I'm not happy. Me, the parent, I'm not happy. Like, if you start to say that out loud, you should really hopefully realize, you should hopefully realize that, yes, you want to actually listen to your kid if they're telling you, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. That's worth hearing because it's them who's actually doing it. You have nothing to do with it. You're the ride, dude. I think there are scenarios like um, telling your child to learn a, a musical instrument or like getting them influenced in a way on that because... One, they could have never thought about it before until you inspired them to do so. And two, it has like thing mental benefits and such. So you can influence them to do something. But whenever I see like parents that are playing volleyball, I know that their child is going to play volleyball. And I know that there is a likelihood their child is going to hate volleyball. But there's also a likelihood that they'll love it too. So it's like you can't force your kids to do something. You had your kids... Like, your kids didn't decide to be birthed by you. You decided to birth your kids. So don't force them to do anything. You've already forced them to be alive. <laughs> yes, and I like what you said. There's a certain amount of introductions you can make. Uh, son, I would like you to meet video games. Video games? Son, boy. My parents I, uh, did not appreciate me enjoying video games as much as I did when I was a kid. Imagine them now. They're like, oh, man. Okay, but <clears throat> in fairness, they do think that the podcast is cool. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not even playing them. I'm just talking about them. That's cool. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's cool that you're doing the podcast. Oh, oh that's not, so weird. I don't know if you have anything more to say on that topic, but I want to mention, like, the purpose of my content. Yes, yes, yes. If you notice in that Fight Pit 9 video, there is not a single video of a combo. There might be a, like filming of a screen with Fox up smashing or something. But I don't want people to recap the event in a sense that they show off all the cool combos and stuff. I want to recap the event that there's human interaction. Like That's literally the only reason I played Melee is so that I could hang out with all of my close friends, sit on a friendly setup, and maybe hit some combos, but mostly I'm asking them about how their lives are. And it's wild to have lost that, and that's kind of ultimately what led to the downfall of Melee for me. And as I started playing Slippy and stuff, while some people were being introduced to the game, I was like, this just, this isn't the same. This is weird at going into a match i would never got angry at melee in a tournament scenario where there was money on the line but i got angry when um xx boner xx freaking four stocked me on slippy and i just thought to myself wow this guy is just such a tryhard and that's not <laughs> that's not what i'm like uh, it, I, i've gotten mad at one tournament and i'm fully aware of what i did because uh, the second best player in the region was a Sheik main, and he was a very lame Sheik main, and he knows he is. But I, I barely lost my temper in any scenario, and I'm a pretty competitive person. But like, just something about not having a human there to interact with after and before the set, I, it hurts. It hurts to play the game. I would literally 
there's an app called Strava where you can track your running and biking progression. And I had one called Melee that I just did every single day where I ran or biked as fast to my friend's house to play Melee every single day for four hours, like <laughs> during high school. And this was just like, we had exactly four friends interested in Melee. So we would just do free for alls on all the, we would do legal stages because we were aware of the competitive scene, but we would just fool around every single day play that game and that's why i loved it okay so you're you're harping on a great point here melee is not just to be enjoyed enjoyed in a sterile clean no randall no random fod platform movement environment there needs to be a certain amount of degeneracy in terms of how the stages work you need to have characters like chic peach and ices you need to have People who people who know how to do one thing particularly well and have a hard time doing anything else in the game. And you need people who are like Mango who can just play beautifully on the fly. All of it works together. And then the most important thing that I think everybody will realize they've been missing when more IRL stuff comes back this summer is just how important the actual person-to-person -person interaction is. Melee did not get to this point because we were all playing online for the past 20 years. 20 years people would drive cross country or fly to different parts of the world to play with 20 other people and then post about it on smash wars and be like yeah i'm the best in the world now and then somehow somehow that got us to now and it's because people love that person-to-person -person interaction as well as playing a super awesome game so i love that that's a big part for you and it sounds like hopefully you're able to talk to people while playing volleyball i have no idea how you do that by the way because i'm just I'm just hating the entire time playing volleyball. I wish that we were playing Frisbee instead, but you seem to find a way to enjoy the person-to-person -person interaction, find those conversations, do all that stuff. So it's really cool that you have that in volleyball. Hopefully you get to back to an event someday for Smash and you don't have the pressure of making this your entire living and you can just be like, ah, oh, my friends and a bunch of other random people, but my friends, hey, we're hanging out. This is cool. Hopefully you get a little bit of that here and there in the future. Are you an ultimate or a froth guy? The froth, what's the what? Guess you're not a froth guy. Frisbee oh, okay. Golf. Yeah, let's go ultimate frisbee. Oh, you're talking about the golf stuff. Yeah, no, I'm ultimate frisbee all the way. You're an ultimate guy. Cool. Yeah, before uh, swim practice every single day, there was like a an hour gap after school, and we would just play ultimate like out on the on the football field. This guy, my I, guy. I am. I was the generic college student before I went to college where I <laughs> rock climbed, I played ultimate frisbee, and I probably had a caffeine addiction by that too. So <laughs> I've worked I've since worked out of it. I love the taste of coffee, but I hate caffeine. So it's tough. The, it's tough. The original uh thing that inspired me to talk about the kind of content that I make um was you saying that your mom thought your podcast was dope. I always wanted to make content that my family could watch and understand, specifically my mom. So I would always make content that just featured the the emotions of people at the event, capturing what I called on my website, raw emotions. And that's what I could, yeah, raw, because that just sounds so cool. And I was a big, uh, I was a big WWE kid when I was younger. So, <laughs> but yeah, I would, I wanted people to 
I wanted all my videos to be like, this is why you should go to a tournament, and this is why you should stop sitting behind your computer on Netplay. Amen. That's really, really cool. I I know that your videos did not directly inspire me to to do that in this particular instance, but here's hoping that it did for the people in the greater Pittsburgh area when the next fight pit comes along, and I know Gumball will be making sure that people see that in the PGH Discord, like, this is what Fight Pit 9 was like. Watch this video. You're going to want to go to the next one. It's going to be super cool. I mean, I would love to go to Fight Pit 10. I do not know. Johnny, if you're listening at this point, I do not know. But, uh, you know, whenever that comes up, I will at least check my calendar. Because it would be cool to see Pittsburgh in general. I haven't been yet. He's going to tell you to go to Gene's Place. Go to what? Gene's Place. It's a bar in Pittsburgh. And uh, I think I have a tweet about it because the, the owner is there every night getting trashed every single night. And Johnny loves that guy so much. <laughs> yeah, it's like a like a... 20 ounce beer for two dollars that he's and he just all he says is drink more beer every 10 seconds so he's <laughs> johnny's place of residency at at in pittsburgh and i missed him when i was there last you know what i've seen a few tweets from johnny where i say pretty sure he's at a bar right now so gene's place that's what it gene's is place. shout mm-hmm. out to gene's place <laughs> today's today's sponsor <laughs> at some point i'll get i don't even sound convincing talking about the patreon but we'll get there at some point i'll be able to shell better and be a husk better all right so for you battery to summarize here to to get you in the direction of wrapping up where can the people find you or what are some final thoughts that you want to have that kind of stuff so my twitter is the the handle that is on i think it's the lower left hand yep, corner somewhere yeah. around there yep yeah lower handle that's just that's just banger tweets it's not much it's, it's, it's mostly smash related i'll throw in volleyball just to throw out that i'm i'm a cool guy that do, does other stuff behind besides stand behind a computer um but if you're interested in following the volleyball journey it is dolgus d-o-l-g-o-s-v-b on instagram and tiktok and then um if you're interested in my content um smash related content then you're probably not getting much more uh my youtube is battery as it as well you can watch that stuff um but ultimately i'll probably just be making content for other people so that'll all be on the twitter all right that sounds super cool and all the links to the volleyball journey fellas the instagrams the tiktokers will be down here in the description especially after battery sends it to me just a reminder i I don't, I don't, I don't, we're not really on Instagram or TikTok. So if you could send those links to me, I will put them in the description of the podcast. Woohoo. And Battery, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. It's great being a part of this. It's a very professional setting. And I would recommend anybody you ask to be on this podcast to go through with it. Very kind words. Thank you. Everybody.